Our next guest tonight needs no introduction, but I will give him one anyway. Jimmy Trainer from SportsIllustrated.com, a guy that joined Sports Illustrated in 2000, very active on Twitter with the NFL, and we really appreciate you coming on to the Irish NFL show, Jimmy. A very, very warm welcome to the show. Thank you. It's kind of jarring to hear I don't need an introduction when I'm when I'm coming on in Ireland and I'm here in New York. So that's, that makes me feel good. So thank you for that. First thing that stood out for me, Jimmy, was seeing your birthday is February the 25th. Mine's the 26th. Not too many people I know in the NFL. So I'm, you're definitely going to stay in my mind forever. But look, <laughs> um, we ask everybody this, Jimmy. Have you any heritage yourself to Ireland? Have you, have you ever been here before? I have not been to Ireland. Um, Unfortunately, I can't, I'm not well-traveled. I've been to Italy and, and that's been it really for Europe so far in my life. But, um, you know, hopefully one day. Well, you had um, Becky Lynch on the, the podcast recently. So, you know, you have ties to Ireland and uh, should you ever make it over this way, Jimmy, you certainly have uh, people who will uh, happily show you around and, and to the pubs as well. Now, um, I think, you, obviously, look, you've had incredible guests on on uh, your podcast, but um, one of the ones that might be kind of topical is um, back in 2019, you spoke with Troy Aikman, and uh, he called uh, the officiating at that time nauseating with a number of penalties. This season, it seems worse than ever. We've got the taunting, the roughing the passer. But none of it seems to matter. The ratings keep going up. Uh, I think you 22.7 million watch the Packers and the, the Seahawks on Sunday night. Um, is there a problem with officiating? And if if there is, does it even matter to the NFL with, with the ratings being what they are? I think there's a problem in that two of the biggest penalties that we've got, taunting and roughing the passer, are really they're not judgment calls because there there are rules in place and the refs are calling it the way the rule is that i listen don't get me wrong i think they have a problem with referees for sure the bigger problem are the rules the refs have called the taunting the way the nfl has wanted them to the nfl has made it very clear if any player goes face to face with any sort of gesture it's going to be a penalty if that player turns his head 90 degrees, it's not a penalty. So the refs are doing what they're supposed to be doing, unfortunately. So it's really the rules more than the ref. The one o'clock slate, the four o'clock slate, and then we get the Sunday night game on NBC. So yes, it's a problem in terms of enjoyment of the games. No, it's not a problem in terms of ratings and the NFL making money. You comment yearly in relation to the, the best crews, the worst crews, kind of give a rundown. You and Andrew Brandt in SI obviously talk quite a lot about the, the business, the circles behind the circles. For you, especially when it comes to what CBS are putting out, Fox, NBC, et cetera. You had Al Michaels on a couple of weeks ago. I'm just curious about your thoughts on how that's continued to evolve. I mean, some people talk about the Tony Romo effect in recent times, getting more recently retired players. And we have a Giants fan who's not on today who loves Tony Romo distinctly, but What's your feelings on the current landscape on how that's offered and what it looks like today? Listen, I think the NFL is in great shape in terms of their lead broadcasts. The top teams, we have Tony Romo and Jim Nance for CBS, Trey Aikman, Joe Buck for Fox, Al Michaels, and Chris Collinsworth for NBC. Those are three solid teams. All the play-by-play people there are great. It's the analysts, I think, that some people may have their favorites, but I think all three of those guys are great. 
And then with Monday Night Football on ESPN here in America, we have Steve Levy, Brian Greasy, Lewis Riddick on ESPN, but we have the Manning cast. Now, are you guys getting the Manning cast over there in Ireland? Delayed. We, we get it in the morning, which is really annoying. But obviously, I would say if it was more prepared, I guess, lads, it might be on TV for us next year, but it looks, it looks unbelievable. Yeah, so the Manning cast has become a big deal here in America. Now, when I say big deal, a little perspective. You know, they've been getting about a little less than like 2 million viewers for Peyton and Eli Manning on their secondary alternative broadcast. And the main broadcast on regular ESPN is still getting about 12 or 13 million. So it's not like the Mannings have overtaken it. It's, it's a bonus thing. It's an extra thing. And it's been a huge hit. People love it. And I think in terms of your question about media and where we are and maybe things changing, you're going to see a lot more of the alternative broadcast now because of the success of, of Peyton and Eli doing Monday Night Football for ESPN. It, and, and Jimmy, can I take that another step? I mean, when James Corden went to America, obviously known to European audience as well, one mm -hmm. of the big things was his uh, carpool karaoke about the impact on social. It was about the people and having that five-minute slot they would watch. The Manning cast things on social seems to be blowing everything out of proportion because people want to watch the next day their interaction with Tom Brady or their interaction with the various different special guests they come on. I mean... It's, it's moving in that direction with the social media impact. Yeah, and they've really hit on something unique. I, I, I think in the long run, it's going to end up being a problem because there's going to be a lot of copycats and it's not going to be nearly as good. I mean, you have this dynamic with brothers where, you know, you can bust each other's chops and not have to worry about, it. you know, I think what I was thinking about this, watching it last night here, they do such a good job with the football stuff and telling you what's going on and analyzing the game. And, you know, Peyton's just unbelievable. And Eli too, he's right there telling you what the defense is doing, what the quarterback's looking at. And then they add in busting each other's chops and making fun of each other. And it's the perfect combination because if you're sitting in your house with your buddies watching a game, that's what you're doing. So they've hit on something. Now I don't think every combination can do that you know i think it's a very very unique thing and and they've really got something special going with it jimmy let's talk i mean i know mark mentioned it a little bit there but let's talk about this podcast you have sports illustrated media podcast over 200 episodes at least i can see online you have had some absolute as we say over here beezers of guests like from stone cold steve austin uh, to ian rapaport the, the list goes on and on I know you've mentioned or Mark mentioned Al Michaels there, but does any guest to you that we maybe haven't mentioned stand out above them all? Or, or was there a guest that you have brought on over the years that you just were not blown away by and, and, and you really enjoyed it? Or for you, is, is, is it every week that you just love having somebody different on? Listen, I, you know, every, almost every week is, you know, when, whoever the guest is, if they come on and they're ready to play and have fun and not be so serious, then it's great for me. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a weird thing if you, you don't, you know, it's good to have someone, you know, have a little bit of relationship with, they get you, and then you can have a lot of fun. You know, when you have someone on for the first time, like you guys mentioned Becky Lynch, she was on for the first time last week. I thought it went really, really well, but that was the first time I ever interviewed her. I would imagine if we do another interview, it'll be better because we know each other now after that first interview. Um, in terms of ones that stand out, I, I'm a huge fan of The Office. I don't know how big the office is in Ireland. I would imagine it's pretty big there. And you have the original from it. So I had Steve Carell on the podcast a couple of years ago. And that was really exciting for me um, to have him on. 
And then in terms of, you know, sports, you know, the Stone Cold one you mentioned was great because he came in studio. And that's always really, you know, John Cena, another one from the WWE came in studio. When they're in studio, it's really great. And um, those are the ones that stand out. You know, there's a, a lot of them stand out just for being a, a fun hour of conversation, you know. Um, so it, it, the Carell one always stands out to me, but I usually enjoy almost all of them. Jimmy, I know that we share a, a love and appreciation for the wonderful Larry David. And uh, I, I want you to, uh, to, to imagine, and I don't know if, even if it would be, but could, can, could possibly one imagine, what blue sky thinking, if Larry David was to make his way into the NFL, would he be more entertaining as an owner going, going at it with Jerry Jones or as a GM? Or could he have a headset on and replace Vic Fangio as head coach of the Broncos? So I thought Larry might be coming on my podcast a few weeks ago, and then it didn't work out. So that, that would have been the answer to the last question, because um, that would have been a career highlight. You know, Larry has said many times that he thinks that he can legitimately be either a head coach or an offensive coordinator in the NFL. So I would love to see that. I would much rather see him on the sidelines than as an owner or a GM. I, you know, I, I think him calling in plays his reaction to his players not executing the play properly and his interaction with the referees, I think would be uh, really something to watch. Uh, Larry is a head coach or an offensive coordinator would be the answer to that question for sure. Those press conferences would be amazing. Yes, absolutely. I can, I, you know, and I don't think you'd get many of the, the cliches out of Larry. I don't think Larry would be saying, you know, we just need to give a hundred percent. We left it all on the field. I think we'd be getting some some real gems from Larry. I mean, we're looking. We're talking about a bit about the podcast. Al Michaels putting ketchup on steak has seemed to be very controversial generally. But you also, Jimmy, obviously write a regular column. You used to write hot flicks for in, in in Sports Illustrated. You write your trainer thoughts uh, every week now. And personally, I mean, I read it every week. I always love the little nuances, the little stories that take us sometime into the world of the absurd that comes up in the NFL, you know, each week. And I mean, like this week, I mean, what, what did Pete Carroll actually throw out of his pocket instead of his challenge flag, which I love when you kind of bring in the Twitter replies from people and the various different sort of stories and scenarios. And then this might sound like asking you which one of your uh, hits of David Jeter, uh, Derek Jeter is your favorite type of thing. But in the NFL, what's been your favorite one of those over the years? The little bit of absurdity that's creeped in. Oh, man. Um, give me five seconds to think because there's I mean, the NFL is so full of absurdity. Um, let me think. Let me think. You know, I, I know it's going to happen. I'm going to in an hour. I'll think of what the real answer is because my I don't have a great memory. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give you one off the top of my head. You know, a few years ago, the NFL had replacement refs and there was a game between the Steelers and Packers that ended on a ridiculous controversial touchdown where one of the replacement refs put up his hands for touchdown and the other one was putting his hands for an incomplete pass. And I remember that being um, just completely wild. Uh, you know, it, I, I don't know if this lands into absurd, but Tom Brady leaving the Patriots was, a, was an enormous thing uh, here. Probably the biggest NFL story, you know, I can remember. And you have, uh, you know, he, then there was that story where he went into the wrong house to get the playbook. 
uh, and he lived in Derek Jeter's mansion for a little while. And uh, he's shown us a lot more of his personality since getting out of New England. So while not absurd, Brady leaving New England in terms of in terms of big stories is there. Um, trying to give you, I want to give you one that, on a good one on absurd, and I'm I'm struggling for like, I, you know, if I look back, Jim, I can figure it out. Good. You're breaking my heart by bringing up Brady leaving in one respect, but I get, I hear you on the fail Mary game. You know, the seals back. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm, I'm one of my favorite was always Adam Gase's introductory press conference. Do you remember the yeah, bug eyes? Yeah, good with the faces crazy. and the eyes. Yeah. I mean, listen, you could go through the, the Jets have given you nothing but absurd. Um, you know, the butt fumble is obviously, I mean, most people would probably give you that as an answer for absurdity. The, the Jets have had a long line of that. Um, yeah, I wish I had a better one for you off the top of my head. But uh, I, I, it would take a lot of thinking because... There's been so many stories over the years. Don't be worrying, Grant. Uh, as you both said there, uh, Tom Brady actually went or left the Patriots on Paddy's Day here a couple of years ago. So St. Patrick's Day in Ireland is, is now ruined forever for some people, unless you're not a Patriots fan. Um, Jimmy, this is going out on Thanksgiving. I'm going to put you on the spot here, so don't worry either way. But um, obviously Thanksgiving the NF and the NFL are synonymous with each other. We love it here because we can watch a few games early on a Thursday evening, all evening. But what's your like tradition on Thanksgiving? Ha has there been a game in your life that you've watched that stands out to you on Thanksgiving? Raiders Cowboys will be good and Bill's Saints should be good. Um, you know, a game that stands out is, you know, it's from a hundred years ago. It's so long ago, but the Dolphins played the Cowboys in Dallas and it snowed in Dallas, Texas. Um, and there was a field goal at the end of that game that I think didn't, well, it didn't go through and was run back. And it, if you, it's on YouTube, if you look up that game, Dolphins, Cowboys, Thanksgiving, that's one that stands out. But the tradition for me is usually, you know, hang around with family, do a little family time early while the Lions are being unwatchable and then get locked in for the Cowboys and then go home from my aunt's house and get ready for the night game. Jimmy, um, when you Jimmy, when you, just on that game. If I, oh, do you want to go, Mark? Sorry, I'm calling my connection there, but I just uh, was going to say, Jimmy, just on that game. I remember that game being it was Leon Lett who tried to recover the football, yes, and therefore Dolphins scored and won the game. But yep. the story behind that, if I remember correctly, is Leon Lett got a consolation message from a young kid who said to not worry about it because, after all, he'd seen in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago someone had fumbled the ball through the end zone as a defensive player. Of course, it was Leon Lett playing for the Cowboys against the Bills. So right, he's right. Like he'd done something else equally crazy back in the day. Yeah. So the randomness of it all. Yep, Leon Lett in the snow. That's what it was. Jimmy, when you had um, Alan Michaels on, you, you spoke to him a little about his um, feud with Boomer. And uh, this week, we obviously have uh, Rex Ryan and Robert Sala. Um, it seems that the NFL has been a little bit devoid of feuds uh, in, in recent years. Um, is there a feud that, that stands out to you? Or is there a feud you'd maybe like to, to see? Because a bit like, you know, uh, WWE, it's always better when there's a decent feud. 
Well, again, going back to when I was a kid, which was, you know, a long time ago now, um, Buddy Ryan, the father of Rex, I mean, he punched, I think he punched his defensive coordinator on the sideliners, or he, he was the defensive coordinator, and there was a, a, a fight on the sideline, basically. So that that stands out as a as good as it gets in terms of a feud. Um I'm trying to think if there's like a a, a, a player, few, you know, it's it, it's not a um, feud, feud, feud. Talib um, you know, Crabtree was a good one. Which one? Talib Crabtree. Yeah, yeah. You know what it is? The players are all friendly. These, you know, they all share the same agents, same marketing companies. They're all on Twitter together. So you're not going to have that, you know, feud. Uh, you know, I mean, listen, the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph with the helmet. I mean, that I think that was probably the most intense fight we've seen in a really, really long time on a football field. That was wild. That would that one it was really wild. Well, um, perfect at the end of the Bengals Steelers playoff game a few years ago springs to mind as well. I mean, the Bengals yeah. And temperature, temper control, never necessarily the strongest point there. But uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say he, he's in a feud with everybody every week, so it's kind, you know. Yeah, in, in, including most of his team at the time when he played, you know. So yeah, it's it's yeah. a bit of everybody. Um, Jimmy, we mentioned about the media landscape. I suppose one of the biggest evolutions in the last, I mean, over the last twenty years, but even the last two years. Um, we well, sorry, last year we were. Uh, started this uh, this show a year ago, and during that year, we had the biggest network contracts of all time. Roger Goodell basically locking up the players' union and then signing up 10-year deals across the board, ensuring the sanctity of the NFL and the money stream, and obviously on his goal towards $25 billion. I mean, could you, when you started covering the NFL, because I started working for Sports Illustrated back in 2000, could you ever imagine, even just 20 years on, where we would be and where the beast of the NFL continues to grow, sucking up the oxygen in many respects in the media. Yeah. I mean, back then I would, I probably couldn't have imagined it would get to where it's gotten um, over the past 10 years. I'm not surprised by any of it because of fantasy and gambling. There's so much interest in the NFL because of those two things. Um, and the, the NFL has something here in America that other sports don't have. And that is, it's once a week. I mean, I know you have your Monday night, but it's Sundays. It's a, it's a sacrilegious type of thing here. Baseball, 162 games here in America. The NBA, 80-something games. The NHL, 80-something. This is once a week, 17 weeks. Every game means so much. You could miss a baseball game. You could miss a NHL hockey game, you can miss an NBA basketball. It doesn't matter. It's gonna. It does not matter. The NFL, it's it's 17 Sundays, so it's an event. It's a huge event, and that makes it special. And then you throw in the gambling, the fantasy, and it has a grip on America that's hard to explain. Pretty awesome to see the growth over here as well, man. I completely agree, Jimmy. Thank you so much for coming on. It'd be great to have you on again. Maybe we can get you a couple of uh, pints of Guinness in LA. At Jimmy Trainer, check out the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. And Jimmy, uh, again, thank you for your time. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, man. Same to all of you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.